1997, the American Heart Association discovered that those who live for a prolonged period of time with utter despair in their lives had an increased 20% chance of hardened arteries. That's the same as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day for your adult life. Hope is essential to the human condition. We cannot live in despair. We all know that. We all know how life-shattering it is to feel hopeless, to have a situation take place in our lives where we feel utterly hopeless. The last two years, there might have been senses of that for you. It's been exhausting, hasn't it? The things we've hoped in, the things we've hoped for, have not been fulfilled. They have not come through on what we hoped they would. And what we really need is something or someone in whom we can hope who won't fail us. Now, confession time. This is the fourth Christmas message, Christmas talk, I've written in the last two weeks, and the first three were rubbish. I simply could not impose them upon you. And by Thursday afternoon, I was getting slightly frustrated, ever so slightly. I wasn't quite hopeless, but I was on the way. And so to have a break, it might have been two o'clock in the afternoon, I closed my laptop, I was in the office downstairs, I closed my laptop and I sort of leapt back in my chair and sighed this kind of prayer of God, please do something. But in actual fact, I was just looking for distraction. I was looking for a distraction away from the mess that was currently my talk. And I looked over on my desk and on my desk was a black journal, a leather bound, beautiful journal. It wasn't mine. It was left here on Sunday after the service last week in the morning. It was on the second chair back there. Everyone had gone home. I turned around and there's this beautiful black journal. My first thought, of course, is someone's forgotten it. Someone's left it at church and gone. And so I looked inside the front cover. I didn't thumb through it. You can't do that with a journal. I looked inside the front cover. There was no name. I thought, well, it's obviously of value to someone. So they'll give me a call during the week. So the journal sat on the corner of my desk the entire week and no one phoned, no one called, no emails, no nothing. And so as I laid back in my, I leapt back in my chair and I looked at this journal, I thought maybe I should have another look, see if there's a name tucked in there. So I opened the front cover and in the front cover of this leather journal were several business cards. And I pulled out a business card and it was a generic business card for a dentist. And I flicked it over and on the back of this card, there was an appointment time and date. The 21st of December, 9 a.m., two days prior to this happening. And I had a thought. I could call the dentist. And I could have a really awkward conversation with the dentist. And I could say, two days ago at 9 o'clock, someone came in. I'm from a church on the other end of the Gold Coast but I'm wondering, can we work together to reunite the journal with its owner? And I thought about it, and the choice was quite clear. Keep going with my talk, or do something like this. So I did something like this. I phoned the dentist, and Leah picked up. And Leah welcomed me to the dental thing, and I said, I have something really strange to, to talk to you about, which, looking back, was a very strange way to start a strange phone call. I said, um, I'm a pastor in a church in Burley, and on Sunday, a journal was left, and there's a business card that has your details on it, and an appointment at 9 a.m. 
last Tuesday, just gone, Tuesday just gone, would you help me reunite this journal with its owner? And you know what Leah said? She said, that, be- well, we'll call him Max. That belongs to Max. Now, I don't know Max. I said, great. She goes, you know Max. And then she describes him. I'm like, honestly, I have no idea who Max is. I don't know who Max is. I know who Max is now. I said, I don't know Max. I said, is it possible for you to give Max my details and then Max can call me and we can reunite him with his journal? And she said, absolutely. It's a Christmas miracle, right? A Christmas miracle. It's also a Christmas talk for Christmas Day. Because what happened with myself and Leah and Max is what happens with God and Christmas and us. God and the nativity and us. You see, we sometimes struggle to find hope. And in the most peculiar and unusual way, God reaches out to restore it. So 20 minutes later, so I put the phone down to Leah, I'd opened my laptop and I started to write this story. I'm like, I think this is a Christmas story. 20 minutes later, as I got to this exact point in writing my talk, my phone rings and it's Max. And Max is pumped. He is very excited. And he says, I have searched everywhere for this. I thought I left it in the church because I was with the church that met on Friday night. There's a church that meets here on Friday night. I couldn't find it, so I asked my pastor of Friday night to come in. He came in and couldn't find it. So I then backtracked everywhere I've been in the last week. And I looked all through the house. I turned it upside down. I went to every shop that I'd been to and I asked. I went to every car park. I checked every drain, every sewer. I'm getting carried away. That, That last bit didn't actually happen. He turned his entire life upside down, wanting this journal. But the journal was lost. Hope was lost. And I reckon the last two years have kind of been like that for us. We haven't lost the journal, but we've lost peace and confidence and strength. Everywhere we've looked to for hope, that things will be okay, that we don't need to be scared or anxious, that the future will work out, all of that has failed us because they haven't the power to save us. The things that we put our hope in are hopeless. It's fascinating that we look for hopeless situations in order to draw hope from it. The government's decisions and the mandates, the double jab or triple jab or quad jab or whatever comes after that, our stance on vaccinations, staying home and shutting out the world, convincing our family and our friends that we know what's best, masking up, social distancing, combing through social media for truth, Watching every news broadcast in every state, on every channel, none of that has the power to save us. None of it has the power to save us. Those things, whilst they might be good, are not what we should hope in because they cannot sustain and fulfill that hope. And as a result, we still have a need. We still haven't found the journal. We still haven't found the peace that we seek. We need someone who we can trust in, who knows where the journal is. We need someone who we can trust in, who knows where the peace of God can be found.
And just like I made a sort of an indirect call to Max through Leah to reunite the journal with its owner, Christmas is God's indirect call to us through the nativity scene to reunite us with peace. And it's so peculiar. It's so strange. It's so weird. It's awkward. And it's what no one expected. A baby born in a manger. It's just strange. We're so used to it, but it's so strange. It was in Bethlehem, a 14-year-old virgin who wasn't yet married, gave birth amongst animal poo-poo, livestock, itchy hay, no power, couldn't see a thing, and no medical help. And that baby was God. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The task of the nativity scene is to preach the coming of God and the renewing of hope. And that baby had a name. Hope's name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has a title and his title is Prince of Peace. His title was given to him 750 years beforehand by a prophet called Isaiah who looked out upon the world and saw such doom and gloom and darkness and his heart broke and God gave him a vision. And in the vision, God pierced the darkness with this dazzling light that was Jesus Christ in preparation for this day, for today. And so Isaiah calls in the Prince of Peace, he is to come. That night, 2,000 years ago, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, he stepped back into our world and he went head to head with the things that strip us of peace. Jesus went head to head and defeated sickness and worry and anxiety and lies and hatred and jealousy and loneliness and fear and lust and greed and death itself. All that we long for, all that we hope for is found in Jesus because he alone has the power to save us. But we're used to looking for hopeful things in hopeless places. You cannot find hope in hopeless places. And the invitation of Christmas is to come and have your hope fulfilled in Jesus. That's the invitation of God to you today. This Christmas scene isn't meant to be cute and nice and heartwarming. It's the journal. It's the message of God through Jesus. I have the peace that you've been looking for. Now, Max not only called me, but he raced round. Speed of light. He goes, I'm in Palm Beach. Are you at the church now? I'm coming. And boom, it was like he had a teleporter. He was there. He jumps out of the car. I've never seen someone grinning so much. Dead set. It was like, wow, he must be stoked. He comes over. He shakes my hand, nearly dislocates my shoulder. That vigorous. He is excited to have his journal back. He did one of those. I gave him the journal. He did one of those like, you know, the double fist pump into the air when everything goes right. He did one of them. He told me, he says, it's not actually the journal that's important, it's what's in the journal. Well, of course. Of course. It's, it's not the nativity scene. It's what's held in the nativity scene that's valuable. A few weeks ago, 
a wonderful team of volunteers came in and they set up this beautiful um, uh, nativity scene that I realize I'm standing in front of, but it's to spare your eyes because if I stand here, I'm just a beautiful silhouette. Anyway, so they came in, they set this up, and then Hamish and I, now Hamish, for those of you who haven't met Hamish, he was playing guitar here, wasn't plugged in, it's all right. And then he was the one holding the letter K, back to one, with the mohawk, that's Hamish. We call Hamish the hammer. We came in, Hamish and I, midweek to do something, to pick something up, and we walked in, and Ham, from the door over there, sees the nativity scene and bolts for it. And I'm like, oh no. I'm not sure how old this nativity scene is, but I cannot believe that Joseph's about to get wrestled and his head knocked off. Like it was this, this fear just gripped me because he's the hammer, right? There's not too much gentle about him. And he hurls down the aisle, comes flying and screeches to a stop on his knees right here. And he goes, oh, baby Jesus. And then he gradually picks the bits of straw off of Jesus and he strokes his hair and just pats him on, on the belly and then gives him a really gentle kiss. Stands back. I was just like, did not see that coming. It's like he saw the value in what was truly taking place here that we so often miss because of all our years of Christmas. He saw past it all. He saw Jesus. And he rushed to be with him, to adore him. To love him, our true hope and salvation. And Hamish's response that he didn't plan or execute, he just came out of his heart. That should be what leads us today. Our lives can only be secure in peace if our hope lives in Jesus. And this morning, I know that you will leave here and you will feel more hopeful and you will feel more peace because that's what happens when we hang out with God. Like, I know that will take place. But what you continue to put your hope in is what will determine the longevity of your peace. What you continue to hope in will determine the longevity of your peace. If you leave here today and you put your hope back in things that are ultimately hopeless, you will not be saved by them. You will be enslaved by them. But if you leave here today and you put your hope in what God started as the craziest, the most awkward, the unrealistic, a bizarre set of circumstances that we know as the nativity. And you learn to rely on Jesus and you come to trust in Jesus and you allow God to nurture a relationship with you. Then you will know true peace and that true peace will remain. So what I'd love to do for you now as we wrap up our day, just before you go hurtling into all the amazing things that await you for today. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you especially who are in need of more peace or more hope or more strength or more of God on this day. And what we're going to do in just a moment, I'm going to invite all of you to close your eyes and to bow your heads. And then I'm going to offer another invitation. And it's not bizarre or strange, but I just, if you want me to pray for you right here and now, while nobody else is looking except me, I just want you to put up your hand. And I'm going to pray for you, not by name, but those of you that raise your hand that say, I need something from God today that I just, it's escaped me and I just need it, whatever it is. Just want you to raise your hand and I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you. Nobody else is going to see it. Put your hand up and put it down again. 
But half the battle in all of this is us saying, actually, God, I need something. I'm in need. And, and I just want to raise my hand to acknowledge that. So does it sound good? Can we do that? Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we come to you on this very special morning, this Christmas morning, as we stand in wake of a nativity scene that holds the true value for our humanity, that which we might hope in, you, and as a result we might have peace. And we come here this morning with so many different stories, different backgrounds, different things that have happened in this last week or this last year or this last lifetime, and we need your help. So I want to invite you, if that's you, just to put your hand up right now. Just raise your hand. It only needs to be for a couple of seconds. There's tons of people doing it. If you're like, oh, am I the only one? There's tons of people. Let me pray for you. Lord, we are, we are here today because there is, there is still a yearning and a longing in our heart. And those who have put up their hand, Lord, they've said they want more of you. They need more of you. And Lord, I pray you would, you would come now. Your Holy Spirit would be amongst us all and you would minister specifically to those who have said this morning, God, I need more. Pray you would restore hope. You would fill them with peace. You would renew love. The Lord, from this you would repair relationships that seem irreconcilable. You will grant peace that overwhelms any anxiety. You would stir us to look to you, Lord, and not to all the other cues this world offers us. The Lord, may the fullness of your presence, your glory, your goodness be upon those who have said this morning that they need you. May you surround us all, Lord. May you carry us through this day, whatever lies ahead. And we ask this in your powerful and almighty name. Amen. For those of you that put up your hands, well done. It's never easy to say to anyone, let alone God, hey, I, I need some help. And I just encourage you to, to be in that space, to live in that space today, that God wants to continue to give and give and give. And the other thing I'd say is if God has done a significant work in you this morning, I'd love for you to share it with somebody. I'd love to hear it, but share it with anybody. When we share what God is doing, it validates what God has done. So let's sing our final hymn today. Hark the Herald Angels.